Amen. All right, well, we're there in Ephesians chapter number 5. And of course, this uh, morning we are continuing through our series that we started uh, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Christians. And this is a series that is based off of a uh, business book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And this is a book that uh, I read and that I had our leadership class uh, go through or still going through. And um, I, I realized as I was going through this that there was a lot, of, a lot of the habits that they were teaching had uh, biblical foundations. And I thought it'd be interesting to do a series where we kind of covered these from a biblical uh, perspective. So we're talking about the seven habits of highly effective Christians. And of course, if you remember, the word effective means adequate to accomplish a purpose, producing the intended or expected uh, results. And in my life and in your life, I want to, we want to be effective people. We want to live our lives in such a way that we accomplish our purpose, that we produce the intended uh, results. So if you remember, we started with an introductory sermon called Inside Out, and we learned about this idea that Change must happen from the inside out, uh, that we must begin to work on ourselves, and that will have a result on things around us. Then we looked at habit number one, which was to be proactive, and that means to take the initiative, to put effort, to uh, try to be proactive through our lives, and, and, and especially right now, you know, during a lockdown and during a time where maybe you're not feeling well or things have slowed down in, in, in your life, you want to be proactive even with the time uh, that you have. And then we looked at habit number two, which was begin with the end in mind. And really, the, we're answering the question, how do you want your story to be told? Uh, at your funeral, what do you want people to say about you? You got to live your life with that end in mind. So this morning, we're looking at habit number three. And habit number three is this, put first things first. We're talking about what effective people do. And effective people, people who live effective lives, they put first things uh, first. Now, you're there in Ephesians 5. I'd like you to look down at verse number 15, and notice what the Bible says. Ephesians 5 and verse 15, the Bible says this, see then that ye walk circumspectly. And the word circumspect or to walk circumspectly means to walk cautiously, to walk purposefully, to take steps that are on purpose. He says, see then that ye walk circumspectly. And then he explains to us what he means by that. He says, not as fools, but as wise. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, a foolish person just kind of walks wherever. They do whatever. But a wise person walks in a very circumspect way, in a very cautious way, in a very purposeful way. Notice verse 16. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So when he tells us to walk circumspectly, he's referring to the fact that we ought to walk in a way in which we redeem our time. And the word redeem there is a word that has financial value to it. Usually when we use the word redeem, we're talking about purchasing something. And what he's telling us, the Apostle Paul here, is that time is valuable. He says you want to redeem your time because it is valuable. And, and, and we talked about this in the previous sermon, begin with the end in mind. The reason that time is valuable is because time is limited. Anything that's limited becomes more valuable. Anything that you don't have a lot of 
uh, becomes uh, greater in value. So he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And I want you to notice verse 17. So the context of verse 17 is verse 16, that you need to redeem the time because the days are evil. It's verse 15, that you need to walk circumspectly, not as a fool, but as a wise person. Notice verse 17, wherefore, he says, be not unwise, but understanding. Notice what he says, what the will of the Lord is. And here's what he's saying. He's saying because time is valuable, because time is limited, you need to walk circumspectly, not as a fool, but you need to walk as a wise person, and you need to spend your days walking in the will of the Lord. You need to spend your days doing that which is God's will for your life. And that's really what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about putting first things first. Now, you're there in the book of Ephesians Go with me if you would to the book of Philippians, just one book over Ephesians and then the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number three. And I'm going to give you several statements this morning and I encourage you to write these down. I appreciate all of you who uh, were praying for me and my wife and of course uh, for the entire church family. Many people have been uh, not feeling well and uh, I'm feeling better uh, and, I, and we appreciate that. Philippians chapter number three. I'm going to give you several statements. I want you to write these down, and, and, and if you've got somewhere to write notes, uh, you can uh, jot these statements down. Number one, when it comes to putting first things first, you must realize that not everything matters equally. Not everything matters equally. Philippians 3 and verse 13 uh, is a passage that we go to a lot in regards to this subject matter, and we've looked at it in this series already. Notice Philippians 3 and verse 13. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He says, But this one thing. I want you to notice those words. In fact, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, I'd encourage you to underline those words. One thing. He says, but this one thing. And I like how he says that because it speaks to focus. He says, There's this one thing I do. Then he says this. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. He says, I press toward the mark. And, and if you don't mind underlining in your Bible, maybe you can underline those words. The mark. When he refers to the one thing, the one thing is the fact that he's pressing towards the mark. And then I want you to notice these words for the prize. And if you don't mind underlining your Bible, you can uh, write, uh, underline these words. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, he's saying, for certain things, you have to walk in a certain way. He says, there is a prize that I'm trying to get to. There is a prize that I'm trying to fulfill. And in order to get to that prize, I have to focus on one thing. I have to focus on one goal. I have to focus on one mark. And what he's telling us is this, and what you and I need to realize in our lives is that not everything matters equally. We have this tendency to get this idea that, you know, everything that can be done should be done and everything that can be done matters equally. But the truth is this, that in my life and in your life, there are lots of things that can be done, but not everything matters equally. Let me just read to you uh, in a little small excerpt from the book here. It says this, one thing, uh, what one thing, excuse me, could you do in your personal and professional life that if you did it on a regular basis would make a tremendous positive difference in your life. What one thing could you do in your personal and professional life that if you did it on a regular basis would make a tremendous positive difference 
in your life. He says this also in the book. He says, in time management jargon, this is called the Pareto principle, 80, uh, the 80% principle, which means this, 80% of the results flow out of 20% of the activities. And what he's saying is this, and uh, keep your place there in Philippians, if you would. Go to the book of Nehemiah in the, in the Old Testament. If you open up your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms, right after Psalms, excuse me, before Psalms, you have uh, Job, Esther, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number six. The point is this, not everything matters equally. There are some things in my life and there are some things in your life that actually matter more. And the reason they matter more (laughs) is because of the fact that they produce more. There are some actions that have higher results. There are some things that uh, are going to produce more results in our life. So you need to just realize, and look, you cannot live your life in such a way. Because remember, remember what Paul said. He said, redeeming the time. He said, there is only so much time. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I know I feel like this all the time. Sometimes I wish I could stop time. Sometimes I wish I could make there be more than 24 hours in a day. Sometimes I wish I could just freeze time to allow me to be able to get caught up or to be able to do the things that I want to accomplish in life. But the truth is this, you only have 24 hours in a day. I only have 24 hours in a day. There's only so much time that we have to be able to do the things that we'd like to do. So effective people realize that not everything matters equally, that there are some things that matter more than others. And when we realize that, when we get the fact that if we want the prize, we must press toward the mark. And if we want to press toward the mark, we've got to figure out what's that one thing, right? The one thing that you could do in your personal And professional life, that if you did it on a regular basis, would make a tremendous positive difference in your life. When we realize that, then we realize that we therefore must focus on what matters most. And that's actually point number two, if you could write that down. You must focus on what matters the most. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 6, we have this story, and I love this story, and I've taken you to it before. And I want you to notice it. In Nehemiah chapter 6, we have the story of Nehemiah, who is building a wall. And in the story, he's given an opportunity to do something different. Notice Nehemiah chapter 6 and look at verse number 1. The Bible says this, Now it came to pass, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall. Remember, Nehemiah went to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, to build the wall of Jerusalem. Notice that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. Notice verse 2. Then Sanballat and Geshem, and these, of course, are the enemies of the children of Israel, sent unto me, saying, notice what they said. They said, come. Let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. Notice verse 3, and I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? And here's what Nehemiah understood. Nehemiah understood that there's lots of things that we can do, but there are only some things that we should do. And the reason that Nehemiah was so successful is because he focused on what mattered most. And he says this, and this is something that we've said in, in, in this ministry, and I've preached this before, and something that we've uh, incorporated in our home is we'll, we'll, we'll say this. My wife and I, from time to time, we'll be given because in ministry, we were given lots of opportunities to do lots of different 
things. And sometimes people will ask us, you know, could you be a part of this thing? Or could you be a part of this event? Could you come here? Or could you go there? And we're not saying that any of those things are necessarily wrong. But sometimes we look at each other and we say, hey, you know what? I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Sometimes you have to just realize that there are lots of things that you can do, but there are only some things that you should do. Not everything has the same value, and we must focus on what matters the most. We must decide in our lives, and look, really the point of the sermon this morning is this. In your life, you need to figure out what is the one thing in every area, whether it's your spiritual life, whether it's with your marriage, whether it's with your child rearing or your career or your health, what one thing is it that you should be focusing on that is going to bring the greatest results, and then you must focus on what matters most. Because there are many opportunities, there are many people, there are many things that could get done, that could be done, but just because you can't do them doesn't mean you should do them. And Nehemiah here, he says, I'm doing a great work. He says, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot Come down. Let me read to you just a little excerpt from the book here, just a, a little story he, he wrote on here that kind of highlights this. He says this, Some time ago, my wife was invited to serve as a chairman of a committee in a community endeavor. She had a number of truly important things she was trying to work on, and she really didn't want to do it. But she felt pressured into it and finally agreed. Then she called one of her dear friends and asked if she would serve on her committee with her. Her friend listened for a long time and then said, Sandra, that sounds like a wonderful project, a really worthy undertaking. I appreciate so much you're inviting me to be a part of it. I feel honored by it. For a number of reasons, I won't be participating myself, but I want you to know how much I appreciate your invitation. Sandra was ready for anything but a pleasant no. She turned to me and sighed and said, I wish I'd said that. I don't mean to imply that you shouldn't be involved in significant service projects. Those things are important. But you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have to have the courage to pleasantly, smilingly, non-apologetically say no to other things. And the way that you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside of you. The enemy of best is often the good. See, the point is this, that you and I need to have, I like how he says, a burning yes, a bigger yes burning inside of us. And what we need to decide in our lives, and look, if we're going to be effective, we can be busy, busy in ministry, busy serving the Lord, busy doing all sorts of things, starting this new ministry and that new ministry and this new project and that new project. But if we're going to be effective, we're going to have to get the bigger yes, the burning yes inside of us that says, hey, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Here's point number three. I said, number one, you must realize that not everything matters equally. And number two, you must focus on what matters the most. Point number three is this, you must determine not to get distracted. You must determine not to get distracted. When we allow ourselves to be distracted, it hurts what we are supposed to accomplish in our lives. You're there in Nehemiah chapter 6. Look at verse number 2. Notice what Nehemiah says. He says this. He says, That Sanballat and Gisham said unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Arno. Notice what he says. He says, But they thought to do me mischief. He said, They were inviting me 
to do something else. They were inviting me to do something different. But what they meant to do was actually to hurt me. Notice verse 3. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. He says, why should the work cease? whilst I leave it and come down to you. And in life, we need to just realize and we need to get to the point where we say, hey, you know what? I'm doing a great work and I can't stop doing what I'm doing. We must determine not to get distracted. Go to Proverbs chapter 4, if you would. You're there in the book of Nehemiah. You just go past Esther, Job, Psalms into the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 4. Before I became a pastor, I, of course, spent several years uh, training for the ministry and preparing for the ministry. And I remember hearing a lot of different stories, and and honestly, very similar stories. I remember hearing a story by a pastor named Clarence Sexton. Some of you might know who Clarence Sexton is. He has a a big uh, music ministry that uh, we enjoy called Faith for the Family and He's a Baptist, and remember him telling a story about when he was a young man in, in ministry, and he had gone into ministry, and he was pastoring, and, and he was being very successful, and he was leading a growing church and a thriving church, and, and he was just busy. He was just going for it, and, and busy in the ministry, and, and doing this, and doing that, and starting this event, and starting that, and preaching in this location, and going to these uh, places. And he tells a story about how one day he came home after a, 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 a long uh, trip, and it had been a long day, and, and, and he came home, and he opened his, his door, and sitting in his living room was his pastor, his pastor that uh, he had grown up in, and of course this was an, an, an elderly man at the time, and his pastor was sitting in, in his living room, and uh, his wife was gone, and his kids were gone, and, his pa- and he says, you know, Pastor so-and-so, and he was surprised to see him there, and he said, you know, how are you doing, and, and, and why are you here? And he said, I'm here to talk to you. And he sat him down, and he said, listen, you're very busy in ministry, and, and you're, you're succeeding in ministry. You're getting a lot done. But he, he said to them, he said, how successful do you think your ministry will be if you lose your wife? How successful do you think your ministry will be if one day your kids grow up and they hate you and they turn away from you and they don't want to uh, 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 serve God alongside with you? And uh, Clarence Sexton talks about that moment in his life, how that was a very pivotal time in his life where he realized he had been busy in ministry and everything he was doing was good and everything he was doing was right and everything he was doing, you know, you could point at it and say, well, I'm doing it for the Lord. But yet there were some things that he was not focused on that he needed to focus on. And, you know, it's easy for us in ministry to hear a story like that and say, yeah, you know, that applies to a pastor. But let me tell you something, dad, that applies to you too. Whether you're in ministry or not, whatever you're doing, you say, well, I'm I'm busy just out trying to build a career and build a business and get something done and get something accomplished. And here's what I'm telling you. There's lots of things that can be done, but not at the expense of what matters the most. And what matters the most, how to be your walk with God. What matters the most, how to be your relationship with your spouse. What matters the most, how to be uh, the rearing of your children. And I'm not saying that there's other things that don't matter or that are, are, are bad things. But what I'm saying is this. You must focus on what matters most and you must decide. You must determine. Not allow yourself to get distracted. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 25. Notice what the Bible says. 
Proverbs 4 and verse 25, the Bible says this, Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Notice verse 26, he says, Ponder the path of thy feet. You ought to ponder the path of your feet. You ought to ponder what it is that you're doing. Let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from it. The truth is this, that in life there are many things you can do. And you must realize that not everything matters equally. And you must focus on that which matters the most. And you must determine not to get distracted. I remember hearing a story from another pastor. Again, a very successful pastor who had a hobby on the side. And you could almost say that the hobby had something to do with ministry. And he had audio and video equipment. There's nothing wrong with audio and video equipment. He had audio and video equipment. And he would do these recordings and, and they would put them out on, on the internet and, he, and he, he would do these things. And it wasn't part of his job necessarily. It was just something he did on the side and something he enjoyed. And it was a good thing. And he was telling a story how they had moved and he had little children and he was excited about this new house because there was a, a basement and they had decided that this basement could become his uh, studio. And he was going to be able to do these things that he did uh, on the side there, and he would have this room for it. And when they moved into the house, they got everything moved in, and he got all his wife's stuff in, all the kids' stuff in. They got all the boxes in, and he got all his boxes that had to do with this studio-type equipment and takes it down to the basement. And he begins to open up the box and begin to take the equipment out. And as he's doing this, he can hear his kids. And at this time, he's got uh, three or four little kids, and they're young, maybe four four, five, six years old, and he can hear the pitter-platter of their feet just as they're running up and down in this uh, new uh, house, and they're running back and forth, and he can hear them praying. He's taking this equipment down, and he just felt that the Lord was just telling him, you know what, this is not the time. This is taking too much of your time. And he tells the story that he began to put everything back into the boxes, and he taped it all back up, and he Went upstairs and decided, he just decided, he said, there's nothing wrong with what I was doing, but it's just not the time. And look, in life, in life, you're going to have to realize that there are some things that we have to say no to. There are other things that we're just going to have to say no for now. It's not something that we can do. Something that my wife and I uh, uh, say, say around our house sometimes is when there's something that maybe we, oh, one day we can do this or one day we can do that. And we'll say, uh, we'll do that when we're 40. And, and, and we're, we're not, you know, I'm 34 years old and 46 years away. And, you know, what we mean by that, you know, my wife will say, we'll do that when we're 40. Or I'll say, we'll do that when we're 40. And what we mean by that is our kids are too young for us to do that right now. And, and maybe one day when we're 40, we'll say, we'll do that when we're 50. And maybe one day when we're 50, we'll say, we'll do that when we're 60. I, here's what I'm telling you is in life, you have to realize that there are lots of things you can do. There are lots of places you can go. There are lots of things you can get involved in, and they're not bad things necessarily. They're not, they don't make you a bad Christian if you get involved. There's all sorts of hobbies. There's all sorts of things you can get involved in. But you need to realize that there are only some things that matter. There are only some things that are going to be the most important and we must focus on what matters the most. Sometimes we need to say no for now. Sometimes we need to say maybe we'll do that in a different season of life. Sometimes we need to say maybe that's not something that we can accomplish now and maybe that's not something that we'll ever accomplish. 
But there are some things that matter most. Let me read to you here from the Seven Habits book, a little excerpt. Go with me to the book of Matthew, if you would, Matthew chapter number six. He says this, he says, one of my favorite essays is The Common Denominator of Success, written by E.M. Gray. He spent his life searching for the one denominator that all successful people share. He found it wasn't hard work, good luck, or astute human relations, though those were all important. The one factor that seemed to transcend all the rest embodied this essence of habit three, putting first things first. He says the one habit was that successful people had the habit of doing the things that failures don't like to do, he observed. They don't like doing it either necessarily, but their dislike is subordinated to the strength of their purpose. See, in our lives, we must decide. In our lives, we must decide what is the most important thing that we can do with our time, and then we must put first things first. Here's point number four. I said, number one, you must realize that not everything matters equally. And I said, number two, you must focus on what matters the most. And number three, you must determine not to get distracted. Here's point number four. You must live a life of priorities. You must live a life of priorities. You find this in Scripture, Matthew chapter 6. If you're there, look at verse 33. The Bible says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Bible here tells us, look, there's some things that they matter the most, and therefore they must come first. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Go to Colossians chapter 1, if you would. Keep your place right there in Matthew. We're going to come right back to it. Go to Colossians chapter number 1 and verse number 18. Uh, If you you kept your place in Philippians, it's Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, and look at verse number 18. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says this, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. That in all things he might have the preeminence. See, the truth is this, that we need to live our lives by priorities. We need to live our life with a list of priorities. So you need to ask yourself, what matters the most? And look, in in your life and in my life, those things might look different. You know, for me, I know this, God, and and for all of us that are saved, obviously God must come first. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'm married. So a priority in my life has to be my marriage. Uh, and then I have children, so priority in my life has to be uh, my children. But maybe, maybe you're a young man. You say, "Well, I'm not married yet, and God hasn't blessed me in that area yet." So maybe the next priority for you can be working on your career, working on yourself. And this is what I mean. In different, maybe you're uh, married, but you don't have children, or your children are now grown and out of the house. So maybe there's other things that you can put there. What I'm telling you though is that you must realize what is it that God has given you to do in your life? What is it that must be done now? Look, you must realize that our lives must be lived by priority. What can you do right now? What can you do right now that would change, if you did it repeatedly, would change your life? Because I can sit there and, and your kids are an easy example. I can sit there and say, well, one day I'll spend time with my kids. But here's the thing, I don't have a lot of time with my kids. I only have them for 18 years, 20 years. However many years, 22 years, 25, however many years they end up living with us. So they can't, I can't say no for now to my kids. Look, they must be the priority. 
My marriage must be the priority. You know, in, in, in my life, you know, it's easy in ministry to get busy and say, but even in our ministry, my wife and I have had to said, say, hey, you know what, Lord? We're, we're going to try to do what we can for the cause of Christ. We're going to build a, a, a church for your glory, but we're not going to do it at the expense of our marriage. We're not going to do it at the expense of our children. Sometimes you see people in ministry and they're so busy just doing things. And, and it's easy to justify it because, well, I'm doing it for the Lord. But their marriages are falling apart. And their kids aren't serving the Lord. And it's an expense. that they, It's a risk that they chose to take. And here's what I'm telling you. You must live your life by priorities. You must decide what is the most important thing in your life. Let me read to you here from... Uh, the book says this, in Habit 3, we are dealing with many questions addressed in the field of life and time management. As a longtime student of this fascinating field, I am personally persuaded that the essence of the best thinking in this area of time management can be captured in a single phrase, organizing and executing around principles. He says this, the key is not prioritizing what you're, what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. You need to look at your time and realize, I only have so much time. I only have so much time. There's only so much that I can accomplish. So with that time, what is the best thing? What is the best thing that I can do with my life? And then do that first. We're talking about living a life that is not distracted. Go to Matthew chapter number six, if you would. Matthew chapter number six. Let me just give you a few, a few more verses that kind of highlight this idea. Matthew chapter number 6. Putting first things first means that we live a very focused life. Putting first things first is that, means that we decide, look, in my, in my life, this is uh, what matters the most. In my life, this is what needs to get done. In my life, and my life may be different than your life, but in my life, this is what I need to accomplish. I must put... Uh, First things uh, first. I know in, in ministry it's interesting, and as a pastor, obviously my wife and I try to be available uh, all of the time for, uh, for, for people, but you know, it's interesting that I'll, I'll work all day, you know, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'll be here at the church building or do primarily my work at home in my office, and I'll, I'll work all day, and uh, my wife's homeschooling and doing what she needs to do, and you know, it's time for, for dinner, and at our home, we have dinner as a family, and it's our family uh, time that we spend together. And, and without fail, every time we sit down uh, to have dinner, someone calls or there's a text message or something that needs to be done. And obviously, if it's an emergency and it's an actual urgent emergency, then we, we deal with it. But I've had to get to the place in ministry where it's just, you know, we put it away and put it, put it aside. Because here's the thing, there's always a phone call to take. There's always a text message to respond to. There's always an email to, to read. And, 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 and there's always a question. There's always something happening. And sometimes we just have to say, hey, sorry, not at the expense of our family. Not at the expense of our family time. And not at the expense. And, and if it's an emergency, then of course we'll step in. But if it's just a Bible question, then we can talk about that tomorrow. Or I can uh, respond to that, you know, in a couple hours when the kids are in bed. Or, you know, here's what I'm saying is you need to get in your life 
and realize what is the most important thing. And these habits, they build on each other. Because if you begin with the end in, t- in, in mind, you might realize that the things that we put our time and energy into are not the things that we necessarily want our family or our friends or our church family to say that is what we focused on. You must put first things first. And to do that, you must realize that not everything matters equally. You must focus on what matters the most. You must determine not to get distracted. And you must live a life of priorities. Here's why. Because distracted living is ineffective living. Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 24. Notice what Jesus said. He says this, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hate the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and Mammon. What the Bible is teaching here is, is teaching this, that you cannot live a distracted life and expect to be effective. He says it's not possible to serve two masters. You can't be going in two directions at the same time. You must, like the Apostle Paul, say, hey, this one thing I do, and in, my, in this area of my life, and in this season of my life, this is the one thing. That I must accomplish. Go to Second Timothy chapter two, if you would. Second Timothy chapter two. We're going to go to Second Timothy, and we're going to go to the book of Isaiah, and then we'll finish up. Second Timothy chapter number two, and look at verse number three. Second Timothy chapter two and verse three. The Bible says this: Therefore, thou therefore. Second Timothy chapter two and verse three: Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And here the apostle Paul is using this illustration of a soldier who's fighting in a battle. And of course, this is uh, something that's used uh, to illustrate Christianity. We're in spiritual warfare. Notice what he says in verse 4. He says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you're a soldier and you're going to war, you're going to fight in a battle, you can't fight in a battle while also being entangled with the affairs of this life. What's he saying? Here's what he's saying. You can't do two things at the same time. Distracted living is an effective living. A distracted soldier is an ineffective soldier. You've got to decide, what is the most important thing for me to do right now? Go to the book of Isaiah, if you would. Isaiah chapter number 50. Isaiah chapter number 50. In Isaiah 50, we, in verse 7, we have this verse, which is actually a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find a very focused individual. Someone who is focused with what God had given him to do. Isaiah chapter 50, in verse number 7, notice what the Bible says. For the Lord will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have, notice these words, he says, therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. And this is a prophecy of Jesus, that he had set his face like a flint. What does that mean? Uh, that, that, that phrase, a very famous phrase of Jesus uh, that's, that's uh, correlated to Jesus and his ministry, a flint is a very hard type of sedimentary rock. When struck against steel, a, flint, a flint's edge produces a spark that starts a fire. Setting your face like a flint implies that you're expecting some opposition. 
to stand strong in the face of adversity, to set your face like a flint means to regard these difficulties as worthwhile when you consider what they will uh, lead to in your life. Jesus had set his face as a flint. There was many oppositions. There was many people who were trying to stop him, but God had given him a work to do. God had given him something to do. He said, hey, work. He said, we must work in the daytime. He said, we must work. He says, for night cometh when no man can work. Jesus had set his face as a flint. And look, in my life and in your life, we must decide. We must set our faces as a flint and decide. What is the most important thing that we can do? And then we must prioritize those things and put first things first. My wife was telling me last night, she was reading a book about child rearing. And they'd written in that book, there's a study that showed that one of the biggest factors that allows kids to grow up right, and you know, whatever sense of that word means, is the marriage. How good of a marriage a husband and a wife, how good of a marriage a husband and a wife have will actually have a huge uh, factor on how well those kids turn out, which was really interesting to me when she said that to me, because this is something that I've thought about a lot. You know, why do some kids turn out good and some kids turn out bad? Why do some kids serve the Lord and some kids don't? And, and, and why, why do some kids turn out good who are raised by worldly unsaved parents and some kids turn out bad who are raised by independent fundamental Baptists, you know? And, and, and the, the idea in this book is that it has a lot to do with the marriage and the relationship with the husband and wife. I got to thinking about that and I started thinking about Brother Stuckey. Brother Stuckey, of course, our evangelist in the Philippines, he uh, served here in, uh, uh, in our ministry for many years. I remember he, he would often speak about his parents, and his parents w- weren't saved. And he didn't grow up in a Baptist home. He didn't grow up in a, uh, he grew up in a religious home, but not, not a saved home. And, and, but he talks about how he, you know, ended up growing up, and, 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 and he, he was raised well. He was raised with character and with morals and uh, with, with hard work ethic. And, and, of course, he got saved eventually in his life, but his siblings, and he always talked about the relationship that his mom and dad had. He always talked about the, how they spent time with them. And here you have unsaved uh, people who weren't saved, but they had a good understanding of, look, hey, we've got to raise our kids right. We've got to spend time with our kids. We have to work on our marriage. We have to have a good relationship. And they, they did it right. And then on the other side, you have Christians who have all the truth from the Bible, and yet they're wasting the opportunities that God has given them. And here's all I'm saying. Here's all I'm saying is you and I in our lives need to set our face like a flint and say, you know what, in my life, the most important thing has to be my walk with God. In my life, the most important thing has to be my marriage, has to be my children. Then it can be my ministry. In your life, it might be your, uh, your marriage. Look, we need some homeschool moms who are going to say, you know what, I'm doing a great work, I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work with these kids, and I cannot be distracted by Facebook. I cannot be distracted by social media. I cannot be distracted by this or by that. All we're saying is this. In life, there are lots of things that you can do. There are only some things that you should do. And you must realize that everything doesn't matter equally. You must focus on what matters the most. You must determine not to get distracted. And you must live a life 
of priorities. I'll read to you just one last little thing here, and we'll finish up. In the Seven Habits book, he says this, returning once more to the computer metaphor. If you remember, he's been using this computer metaphor throughout the book. He says this, if habit one, which is to be proactive, says you are the programmer, you're in charge of your life, you get to decide how you're going to live your life. And habit two, which means, which was begin with the end in mind, says write the program. Since you are the program, you get to write the program. You get to decide, here's what I want to do with my life. Then habit three says, run the program. Live the program. Decide. Decide. Here's what I want to do with my life. Begin with the end in mind. And then live your life every day with that focus saying, I must put first things first. That means that to some things, I say yes. That means that to other things, I say no. And that means that there are some things that I say no for now. But in this season of my life, here's what I need to do. So in your life, in your life, what's the first thing? What's the most important thing that you need to do in your season with the abilities, with the time, with the treasure, with the talents that God has given you? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that this truth uh, would be clear in all of our minds. Lord, I, I pray that we would live lives that are not distracted. Lord, I, I pray that there, there would be just husbands and wives of Verity Baptist Church that would just get it in their heads. They have to, there are certain things they have to focus on. And it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to take this hobby and that hobby and this event and that event and and to to start all sorts of things. But Lord, help us to realize in these seasons of our lives that we must focus on you and we must focus on our spouse. We must focus on our kids. And I realize that people have different seasons and different things going on, but Lord, help us to just put first things first in our lives. To realize that not everything has the same value to realize that some things are more important than other things. And sometimes we just need to say no. And sometimes we just need to say no for now. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to live lives of priority. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.